Hey everyone, welcome back to the STEM Cells podcast. That's cells with an S. I'm Omar Atiyah, joined today by co-host Nadine Baraket. Our guest for today's episode is James Miller, third-year medical student at Tufts Medical School. Hi, James. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's, it's great to be here. All right, let's get right into it. James, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm James. I'm 24 years old. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and after high school, moved up here to Boston, where I went to undergrad at Tufts University. Um, I majored in physics there, um, but the whole time was really working towards medical school. I knew that I wanted to be a, a doctor from a pretty young age, even though I think my reasons for why I'm glad that I'm still on that path have, have shifted a lot. While I was in college, I worked a lot of different jobs, you know, like food delivery for like Grubhub, phone banking, but then I was also an EMT and a hospital tech at Tufts Medical Center during my senior year. And that's where I really like figured out why I love medicine, love treating people when they're ill um, and like forming those like really important relationships. And that's what really spurred me to continue on to medical school where I am now at Tufts Medical. I'm in my third year, so I'm deep in the throes of clinical rotations. For the last year, I've been bouncing around to hospitals all over Massachusetts, um, trying out everything from family medicine to pediatrics to obstetrics, psychiatry, um, and I start my surgery rotation tomorrow. That's awesome. Uh, if you can go into a little more detail, uh, why and when did you decide that like you really wanted to become a physician? So I definitely decided when I was probably a teenager and like the show Scrubs has a ton to do with the initial decision, even though that's uh, not why I, I'm still glad that I'm, that I'm going through medical school. I would say my reasons for like wanting to be a doc doctor have changed a lot from, I think early on, I understood it as like, this is something for people who are good at science and think that learning about like science and biology and chemistry is cool. And I said, I love those things. So let me keep going on this path and had a lot of encouragement from, from family. But now that I'm in medical school and I think I have a better idea of what medicine really is. And um, I think I am really here for like the relationships that you can form in, in healthcare. Like it's a really, really intimate interaction of somebody saying, here's what's going on with my body, with my mind. What can I do? What does this mean? And that's where I, where I really love taking the science, which, you know, you have to understand the science, you have to understand the chemistry and the biology, all these things, but you also have to understand like the socio-emotional position of this person. So you take all that, um, you look at the numbers, the labs, the scans, and you combine it with your understanding of a person and what they value, and you interpret it for people. And you can say, here's what's possible, here's what I think, here's what could happen, here's what's likely, here's what's unlikely, here's what we can do what would you like to do? Like, what do you want from, from this? And that's like a really cool thing that I get to do is help people kind of come to terms with their illness and like sculpt their relationship with, with illness and health and their bodies um, and really use like that relationship, that like trusting relationship as a therapeutic tool to help someone live the life they want to live. I don't know of very many other professions where you get to do that. So I'm really grateful to, to be on this track. Cool, thank you for sharing. And why are you likely to go into pediatrics as your specialty? Love this question. Love talking about this. Um, <laughs> partly because kids are the bomb and Gen Z is going to save the world, which is <laughs> saving right now. But like, I'm very confident about that. I think that with kids, especially if somebody is like diagnosed with like a chronic illness or a serious illness, like the younger you are, the more like range of possibilities 
could happen from that. Like someone who's like in their 50s or 60s and gets an illness, there's only so many outcomes, but like someone who's really young, you can absolutely change course, change how they think about like healthcare, how they take care of themselves and have so much potential to really like shape someone's view of their own health and their body for the rest of their lives, which is so long. Um, and especially teenagers while they're forming that, like uh, forming that their identity apart from their like parents and family for the first time is like a really critical time that you get to do this. Um, and I feel like the impact that you can have is just so great. Other reasons, like personal selfish reasons, like it makes me happy working with kids. Like I laugh every single day because five-year-olds say hilarious things. <laughs> uh, and also like, I think that staff and people who work with kids tend to be like, happier, more compassionate, more want to be there. Whereas like healthcare working with adults, sometimes like the patient becomes like the enemy and you end up in a very confrontational antagonistic relationship, which I hate. That's not why I want to be there. Nobody likes that. Um, and I think it's way easier to keep that like positive or on the same side relationship with, with kids and their parents. So uh, how are you focusing on advocacy and adolescent mental health? And how is this important for overall patient treatment? Kind of another way to say it is like, why must there be an interdisciplinary approach between treating patients and doing stuff like for the general good of society? Yeah, I think this is part of why when people ask me like, why did I go to medical school versus either like PA school or nursing school or any other thing where I can have like really intimate relationships in healthcare um, with people is like the position that society rightly or wrongly puts um, doctors in as like a position of authority People say when, when doctors talk, people listen, allows me to be a loud voice as, as an advocate, especially for kids. I think it's impossible to do pediatrics without doing advocacy just because kids are such a vulnerable population. Yeah. And I think a prime example of this is like during this pandemic, the things like schools closed, kids were not getting what they needed to get. And I think we're not prioritized in a way that like I'm pretty ashamed about that like people were complaining about like gyms and bars not being open versus like schools, like kids need to be in schools. So I think these last couple of years have really highlighted to me places where it's so important that somebody, and I think pediatricians are like an ideal group of people to do this, can advocate for kids in the greater society. Cause like the effects of this pandemic on kids development will be felt for like decades. Like we can already see that like especially like really young kids who are not getting socialized in the same way um, that they would be without a pandemic are like developmentally delayed in like different ways. Um, either like don't have as many words, not as comfortable in like social settings, have more like stranger anxiety. So I think these last couple of years, which have been like formative for me as I'm in medical school have showed me that it's just so important to combine both like medical science with advocacy in larger society. Related to mental health specifically, um, this is just like such a crisis right now. Like everybody has de depression, anxiety, suicide rates in teens and young people are at an all time high. This is just such a crisis and is really important, not just because like depression sucks, even though it does, um, but because like psychological health has huge long-term impacts on physical health. And especially people like teens who are in like a really vulnerable neurological and like developmental position depression has like really, and anxiety have really long-term impacts on how they view like themselves, their world, their ability to be productive and lead, lead like long, meaningful lives. And that's what I think medicine should focus on. I think that like all medicine should focus on at its core, helping people live the lives they want to live. And I just see adolescent mental health as this like looming tidal wave that is already having 
huge, huge impacts on people's ability to lead lives that they want to lead. Thank you for being a voice for this population. Related to that, can you explain your new research project about the effects of STEM education and mentoring programs on high school students? Yeah, this is something that I'm really interested, partly um, as it relates to like mental health, because I think parts of mental health are not just like balances of neurotransmitters, but it's like, do you have meaning in your life? Do you feel belonging in your life? Um, do you feel purpose? Do you like the things that you do every day? And for me, I derive a lot of those things from learning because I've been in school for, you know, 20 odd years and doing the things that I do every day, which is like taking care of patients. And so I'm really interested in the ways people, myself included, have like conceptualized careers in STEM, careers in medicine, because kids say, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a scientist, but those goals might be like 20 to 25 years away. And so how do people think about those goals in a way that feels meaningful and not like pointless of this goal is like so far off. Um, like what gives students the confidence to even attempt these tracks that are so, so long where you might be decades away from the job that you eventually want. Like what gives you the motivation and just like the boldness to say like, yes, I'm gonna do this. So things we know about this, we know that it's related to like conceptual models of like the self that we come up with pretty young. So like in high school, even as early as like middle school, people have the idea of I'm good at math, I'm good at science, or I'm bad at math and bad at science. And those things are hard to change even from a young age, but like have huge impacts on people's decisions to go into like STEM fields or medical fields. Um, it's related to like mentoring and mentoring and role models that influence people's kind of like the target that they can see and like the possibility, like perceiving that it's possible to, to do this thing. And I think especially like intermediate mentors I think it's great that you guys have like students on to talk about um, their careers because it's really different hearing from someone who is 50 and has been a doctor for 20 something years versus someone who's like still in their in their course of uh, you know achieving their goals. Um, it's related to like peers that you associate with and whether or not you feel like you have people your age who you relate to and identify with who also want to go into uh, STEM careers or medical careers and. Um, I'm really interested in how we, as like in a couple of years, I'll be a doctor and we'll be responsible for educating the next generation of physicians and medical people. How can I in the future, like create those conditions that give young people the support and the confidence and the skills that they need to kind of persist on really long courses. And this is just so important right now because we have this huge shortage of healthcare providers huge numbers of clinicians exiting the, the field right now because of stresses related to burnout, the pandemic, different concerns. So this is like another issue that we really need to be thinking about right now. Definitely. Uh, would you say based on your research and experiences, do you think children should be pushed towards a specific STEM career from a young age? Or would you say they should be left to like discover their own interests? I'm sure like being a doctor is a good yeah. job and everything, but yeah. do you think people should leave their children to explore freely or push them towards specific career paths like whether through like a school like I personally have a friend who took anatomy and physiology in middle school and I'm sure he's going to be a future doctor would you recommend something like that or would you say let your kids roam freely um I feel like this is kind of a question of like how would I raise my own children which you know I'm at least several years away from but um yeah I think it's great that like schools, some schools have anatomy and physiology. My high school didn't have anatomy and physiology. And I was like, my college didn't even have like an anatomy course, or at least it doesn't as of now. 
And it's so cool to have those opportunities to learn that you are interested in these things. Um, as part of this project, I'm interviewing a lot of my peers in medical school and asking like, what is the moment that you thought gave you the confidence to say, I want to become a doctor. I think I can do this. When people talk about things like dissecting a cow eye in ninth grade biology That's or right. like a science fair in middle school that they did well in and gave them the confidence to think, oh, I'm good at science. And so like, these are all things that, you know, it's easy to push an 11 year old to say, you should do a science project, which could be so meaningful for their long-term career and course. So I think nudges are great and exposing kids to things, anatomy and physiology is so important to that. And I think that like doctors definitely should have a presence in schools just in terms of like exposure to careers because some people, people whose parents are doctors have like so much exposure to, you know, high level medical professionals and people who don't have doctors in the family there's a huge gap there. So I think it's really important to expose it's this, but like nobody should be forced into that. Like if you hate seeing blood, nobody should make you like dissect the fish in ninth grade right. biology. So James, I know now you're on rotations. You've been, you know, doing so many different specialties. So what are you on the lookout for during rotations? And what do you recommend others look out for in order to pick a specialty that best suits them? And are there any other ways for medical students to decide on a specialty? So there's a really cool podcast, which is actually also has a stem cell pun name, pun name called The Undifferentiated Med Student, where a med student took uh, I don't know, a lot of time off to interview people from every single specialty about like what they like about the career, what they don't like. Awesome way for learning about different specialties is giving that a listen. It's like many, many hours worth of podcasts. So. Something I, I look for is I think about like finding my people, just like finding role models, finding someone who does things that I think I would like to do, has a quality of life and works like numbers of hours that I think I would like and find sustainable and talking to as many people as possible and asking them questions, which are like sometimes hard of like, how much time do you spend with your family? Like, like financial questions because, you know, the nature of med school in America is that you need to take on crazy amounts of debt. And so asking people about those things is really important. And I think when you're picking something, it's really important to know that there will be bad things about it and you need to know what the bad things are about it. Like you cannot go into obstetrics and deliver babies and expect like great hours because that's just something that doesn't have great hours. And you need to know the bad things and be okay with them because during decades long careers that doctors have, like you're gonna have times where you don't like what you're doing. You're gonna have bad days and making sure that they're the kind of bad days that you can tolerate is really important. And related to that, making sure that you have other things in your life that sustain you and give you joy and happiness, like putting all of your eggs in the basket of getting fulfillment from your job, I think is a myth that I hope no one is still selling, but I think people fall into of expecting like total fulfillment from their job, but inevitably over the course of many, many years, you will have times that you hate your job, even if you love what you do. That doesn't mean it was the wrong job. It's just like something that happens. And I think making sure that you both have time to like cultivate parts of yourself that are not your work and being able to like enjoy the things that you enjoy outside of work um, is something that I think a lot about when I'm picking specialty and hopefully pediatric pediatrics will allow me to, to do that. So uh, what, as a third year med student, uh, what, would you, what are your thoughts on med medical education and admissions? 
Um, I would love to have a little back and forth with you guys about this because we're maybe on different sides of this. So I think I have a lot of bad things to say about medical education admissions, but also a lot of good things. I'm so glad that I'm in medical school and I love most of my days. One of the like amazing things about it is that medical education doesn't just teach you biology, chemistry, medical science. It like also sculpts your identity because you're a physician 24 hours of the day, every day of the week. And people treat you like that. Like my family already asks me for different medical things. I can't tell you how many calls I've had of people just this week who said, hey, I just tested positive. I was just exposed to some Omicron something and asked like what that means and like what they should, they should expect. Um, so like med medical school really helps sculpt your identity of yourself and how you like view yourself in the world because people treat you differently when you're a physician all the time. And that's really cool that it happens both via like close mentoring relationships. I have like really close relationships with my advisor, with deans, with different doctors that I work with. And also with my peers as like my, my peers and my classmates would go through this transformation to eventually become, go from like, you know, pre-meds who it's, it seems so long ago, I feel like I knew nothing then to like in a couple of years, we'll be like competent practicing doctors or at least residents. Um, is a really cool transition that I feel so privileged to, that I get to do that. Bad stuff about medical school, medical education and admissions. I think that the science part of medicine is amazing and I love it. But I think things like the MCAT and boards tests really gatekeep, gatekeep people who are maybe the most socio-emotionally like capable to do the work of medicine of like interpreting results and like making them relevant for a human being. Um, that's like a really hard non-scientific skill that is very much about like emotional intelligence rather than like raw science intelligence. I um, mean, I think some of the people who are most equipped and most skilled at that are prevented from entering medical school either because of reputation of difficulty, reputation of like rigor of science, and also because you need to pass these tests and have these scores. Um, and it's now so competitive. So I think that's really like keeps a lot of like people who would be amazing doctors out of the workforce. Um, I think the cost keeps a lot of people who would be really good doctors out. It's just like, even the expense of applying, not even getting in, prevents so many people from getting in. But I net love it a lot, feel so grateful that so many people are so interested in teaching me and feel really grateful for like the transformations that I've been able to undergo as I like become more competent and confident in my ability to like take care of people. Um, what do you guys think as people on the, the pre-med side of medical admissions? I actually had a, a question. So you mentioned the possibility of failing, not making it that far, having not getting a high enough score on the MCAT or not passing board exams, or not getting into med school. I feel like I could go, go, on, go on and on on things that could like stop you. But say like becoming a physician is someone's like number one priority. Would you yeah. say they should try to have a backup in place, like try to get a major concentration that if it doesn't go well enough, that they'll be able to practice something else in the future? Or would you say like, just go, go for it? I think I can say both to those things. I think that like the act of preparing yourself to apply to medical school makes you really qualified to do a lot of different things, right. um, whether that's working in like other clinical roles, doing research. If you get to the point where you are like, I feel ready to apply, you're probably have like 
great grades, have learned a lot, have like had really amazing experiences that have like prepared you for working in the world. So I think you can you can do both. I also think try try again. Like I know a lot. There are many many people in my class who have applied, did not get in, felt like that disappointment and like that blow to. It's not just like your career plans. It's like a blow to your identity because you thought that this was the thing for you and somebody told you no. Right. And having the perseverance to go back and say no, this is for me, and trying again. And they're now going to be doctors, and like nobody cares that it took them two tries to apply. Like. It doesn't matter. I think also exploring, talking to as many doctors as possible and other clinicians or researchers and making sure that the path that you're taking is like the right thing for you. Because I think I had many illusions about what it meant to be a doctor until I was in medical school because I didn't have enough exposure to um, talking to physicians about like their careers can be really illuminating and can like help you avoid, you know, going through the process of like preparing for something and then eventually changing course. One of the sentiments I kind of hear a lot in like the pre-med community is like the fear of uncertainty. So like they work so hard, you take all the prereq classes, you do everything, and then you're hit by like a rejection from medical school in the end, right? Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it is very difficult and tricky, but at the same time, I heard someone say, if you want to become a physician, just like you can do it if you just keep trying, you know, eventually, like if, even if you get rejected once, like I've met dental applicants who are like three-time applicants you know mm-hmm. i think yeah what you're saying is, is is super true like yeah if you persevere like eventually you could probably make it mm-hmm. and i think also something that i was like unaware of which i now know a lot a lot of my people who teach me and professors are um not mds but do's doctors of osteopathic medicine which is a little bit less traditional in in the u.s and in other places but I think is more and more becoming like really seen the same as like any practically is the same as any medical degree. They can prescribe things, do surgery, be any kind of physician and more and more is becoming the same as an allopathic degree with just slightly different um, perceptions of like there's like slightly different like philosophy of medicine, but is a path that I like did not know existed and would have considered much more if um, I had known. Cool. I definitely agree with you that there's like a lot of gatekeeping through the MCAT board exams and all that. But I guess we all agree that like there can only be a limited amount of physicians. So how would you say or what would you say is a solution to solve the issue with education and admissions? Um, I think short term, like long term solutions, like there's a physician shortage. Let's build more medical schools and more hospitals. Like there's a shortage everywhere down the path of like people don't have enough access to healthcare. There's not enough people learning to become physicians. There's not enough people like the whole pipeline, there's a shortage. So like long-term, we need to build more, you know, infrastructure that teaches people. But short-term solutions, there's a lot that we can do that personalizes the process of like medical school admissions and makes it feel less like a cold, cold robotic, you know, culling of people who just want to become doctors. I think that relying less on tests. I think that like there's potential for like pass fail MCAT in the future. Um, so like there's right now a movement like boards exams for me, my step one exam. For me, I was the last year that it was graded for years after starting this year. It's now pass fail because I think people are recognizing more and more that as long as you have this base level of knowledge, you've like demonstrated that you have 
learning, studying skills to do this? Do we need to like really classify people by percent percentile this much? I think Pascal MCAT could be like a really important thing that makes it feel less like existentially stressful for people. Um, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> Make it free also. The MCAT's so expensive, it's absurd. I think interviewing more people because I remember during my medical school admissions process, I was one of the last people of my like friends who were all applying to get interviews and like was crushing for like many months. But once I was like speaking to a human who was speaking to me as a human about my application, it felt completely different. It's like, oh, these people like care about who I am, um, which is the, the truth the whole way along, but is hard to feel via emails and computer screens and portals. Yeah, there's things we can do to like humanize this process. Because it it's about like humanity, like you're not just a bunch of numbers who will be a robot diagnosing and treating illness, like you will be a human treating other humans. And I think the admissions process should reflect that. Yeah, that's great. On another note about that, I feel like we could even benefit possibly from pass fail, like prereq classes, because it might even give pre-med students some time to do other things that, as you just mentioned, build humanity with other people. So like mm -hmm. other projects, other clinical experience, it frees a lot of stress. So yeah, I'm, I don't know if there's anything out there about it, but it's yeah, definitely something interesting to explore. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I'm will be a better doctor because I spent time like doing being an EMT and working in healthcare before college rather than that I was like great at arrow pushing during organic chemistry. So now we have our final question. What are your final tips for pre-med students? All right. Um, I also have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, I think the best skill that I'm still working on for like, you know, making like advancing in like science careers and in medicine is the cold email where you hear about someone who is doing things that you're interested in or you want their advice on your career or you just want to like ask them a question about something. Send a cold email that says, hi, I'm, you know, I'm a pre-med student. Here's what I read that you do this. I would love to ask you this question. The worst possible thing that happens is that they ghost you and that's fine. Um, and the best possible thing that happens is they're like thrilled to talk to you about something they're interested in that you're also interested in. And you can make this like really, uh, you know, like human relationship that can be really important for you learning about medicine, learning about careers, kind of advancing through the process and getting experience. And is, I acknowledge like a really tense, like feels really difficult. Like I get anxious when I like email like a cardiologist and I'm like, hey, like, I saw you wrote this paper. I would love to like talk to you about this and like maybe work on work with you on this thing. Most of the time they don't respond to me, but sometimes they do. But is a really important skill um, related to that. I think just like show up, be present, go to things, talk to people, go to conferences, go talk to the professor after class, go to office hours. Like the more that you engage with whatever it is, the more good things happen. And I think that leads to my last thing is like finding mentors because it feels like such a cold, robotic, heartless process or can feel that way in STEM, but like shouldn't feel that way. It's absurd because like it, we're all people who have all done this and like everybody's familiar with the anxieties and the uncertainty of wanting to be on, to, to do this thing of go to medical school and be a doctor. And I think finding mentors who are in different stages, who are already doctors, who are medical students who are just like even one year older than you 
is so important to find that person that like knows you and can support you in your development through the process. And related, if anybody listening to this wants to, to email me, I don't know if you guys can like put my, my email in the link, but I'm Definitely. so happy to talk to anyone. Honestly, it was, it was great to have you today. I personally benefited a lot and I'm sure our listeners will benefit too. As a first year pre-med student, I think I'm going to be back listening to this a few times, probably once after we completely edit it. Maybe once when I get into med school or applying and then another time when I'm choosing my specialty. It was honestly great. I think we covered like probably how many years of your life? Maybe seven <laughs> in like half oh, an wow. hour and you dropped us all your tips and we really, really appreciate that. Thanks again and until next time. All right. So good talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.